Welcome back to the Effort Over Everything podcast. I'm your host, Jason Kleep, and on today's episode, I have the pleasure of learning more about Apogee Strong and Acting Academies from Tim Kennedy and Matt Boudreaux. We dive into a variety of subjects about our youth, about how to educate them, how to inspire them, how to teach them leadership skills, skills that will transfer into the real world. I really enjoyed what these guys had to say. I align with so many of their philosophies. I'm always asking the question of, what could we be doing better for our children to get them better prepared for the real world and get them to learn leadership and accountability skills? And I think that what Tim and Matt are doing is really groundbreaking, and I can't wait to watch the success of it. In particular, Apogee Strong is this online networking leadership program that anybody in the world can engage in, which I think is awesome. And then you have the Acton Academies. Tim actually opened his own academy where you could teach children in a different way. I'm excited for you guys to learn more about what they're doing. I'm excited to see the growth of it. Before we dive into it, want to let you know about something that's exciting at NC Fit. We are rolling out a new NC Flex program. This is dropping November 1st. For anybody who's a gym owner in our collective or end user on our NC Fit app, it's a new functional training meets bodybuilding program, and I can't wait for you guys to check it out. So, Without further interruption, let's dive into an incredible episode with Matt and Tim and learn a bunch more about what they're doing. Let's go. All right, Tim, so you're saying? Man, I think uh, we're in, we're living in not unprecedented times, but I think every generation looks at the last generation and be like, man, are these people getting soft? But I think there's a degree that uh, this generation is getting soft. Uh, you know, um, my, my dad definitely didn't have safe spaces. I didn't have safe spaces. You know, there were no trigger words. Uh, my grandpa fought Nazis and my dad's generation uh, fought communism. And, um, and then here we are and we're arguing about what gender to put on a bathroom. Um, that's, those are great problems to have where... I guess if this is the worst that is going on, that's pretty rad. But the truth is that's not the worst going on. There, there are big problems, you know, whether it be in Hkaya in Afghanistan or it's genocide in Africa or it's lack of water throughout um, Central and Northeast Africa, like potable freaking water, then um, why, why are we still bickering about gender identity or... Um, you know, whatever the new hot word is that's inappropriate or sexist or racist, you know, I, I want, I want smart, intelligent, hardworking citizens. And, um, that's what I'm trying to raise my children to be. That's this, this little one right here who just chases around chickens and picks them up and eats elk all day. And, you know, my son doesn't even know what exercise is, but he has a six pack and striations on his shoulders because all he does all day long is play. You know, as he speaks Spanish, plays the piano, plays the guitar, and that's just normal. And that was normal in my house was just to do things. And there's a difference between doing things and accomplishing things. And um, now it just seems like we're looking for easy solutions and an easy button when, in fact, we should be accomplishing. We should be accomplishing things. Yeah, I, I, I think you're spot on here. And I think one thing that I've realized in life is that life will come and there's adversity that'll strike uh, everybody at some point, whether it's a death in the family, a sick child, whatever it may be, something could come up and 
you know, you, we're not living in this bubble. And one of the things I try and teach my children, I have a 10 year old and a seven year old is through exercise in a, in a, in, a, in the right way. I could help them learn how to overcome small bits of adversity and challenges that I think then will carry over well into real life. But if we keep them so sheltered from any adversity, any challenges, I worry about what will happen in the future when they actually do face something really challenging. They won't be as prepared because they haven't developed some of those mindset tips. That's, that's a piece of exercise that I think people don't realize. And then not to mention obesity rates, diabetes, all those type of things. So I want to get into your guys' approach um, and uh, Matt or Tim. I mean, I guess we'll, we'll, we'll pitch this one over to Matt. You know, Apogee is a, is a, a mentorship program and it's actually a school now. Uh, Tim, you opened one in Austin, if I'm not mistaken. And how is the framework different from a traditional school? Um, and what are you guys seeing in terms of success there in building these kind of more, uh, these, these children that are, of, of what you're referring to. Yeah, we've got two. So, you know, when we talk Apogee, there's Apogee Cedar Park, which is uh, one of the newer Acton Academies and part of this Acton Academy network, right? And, and um, you know, Tim and, and Alexis are leading the charge out there of, of creating uh, this amazing K through, you know, which ultimately be a K through 12 program. So you've got Apogee Cedar Park, you've got Apogee Strong, which is the mentorship program. So I want to differentiate there. But in terms of the K through 12s, the, the Acton Academy network is a global uh, it's a global network of individuals like Tim, like myself that are going, Hey, all right, we're going to go ahead and shift. Uh, we're not going to try to usurp what's going on in, in uh, public schools. We're just, we're, we're not going to try to come in and, and make changes and go to the boards. No, we're just going to create a, a completely different model, a better model, a model that allows for self-direction and a model that allows for um, personal responsibility to kind of take hold at an, at an early age. Right. So it is something that, um, the network itself has been around for over a decade at this point. So it's not theory anymore. The proof is in the pudding. So we've got young people that are coming out of our schools that are, you know, they're coming out as, as seniors and they're going out and immediately making movies. They're coming out and they've already got a seven figure nonprofit. They've, you know, they're coming out. We've got a, a senior in Austin who just graduated, who was already making, you know, six figures while he was a senior last year, right? He was already making six figures on his stuff. I always tell people, you know, I've got a couple horses out at our little ranch here in California and I've got two horses because my girls who are currently 10 and eight bought the horses with the businesses they were running, which is just part of our day-to-day -day curriculum, right? Like that's, we are creating the opportunity. We don't create different humans, but we're creating the opportunity for humans to do what we're able to do. Right. We're unleashing what humans are capable of. Um, and that's the vast difference versus holding people down like they do in the in conventional schooling. So, Tim, where do you see the future of this going and, and what attracted you to to kind of the, the this apogee concept? I mean, I mean, obviously, you saw this as a challenge. Then you have you have four children yourself. And but I mean, what in particular is it the fitness side? Is it the business development side? I mean, or it's just a holistic approach that you just see as a, as a miss in current society. Is that what it is? Yeah. I mean, the, um, you know, when we'll just start at the, the idea of fitness, when you look at the Navy SEALs or the Green Berets or Ranger Regiment or Delta Force, the commonality that you see is that they're all very, very fit. And the process that we, that we use to forge these warriors is through, the forged fire of, of pain, suffering, and fitness. 
uh, even in, this, in our respective selections, it's very fitness oriented, whether it's uh, overland movements or swimming events or um, team events. Uh, it's it's the week fall aside. Hopefully not. What hopefully happens is you take this population of people, people and you make them tougher and you make them smarter. So it's really difficult when you're confined to the constraints and constructs of, of an annotated system. And that's what I feel like education has been for the past 20 years. It has been less and less effective. When you look at the product of people coming from these systems, you're just like, ah, man, you're just, uh, you're missing it, right? Like you, you, you had a chance, but you just, you're coming from something that's broken. That is not the best conducive environment to see the best version of oneself come forth. And, um, so we get to have a paradigm shift. We get to take this whole entire idea, pick it up, put it on its ear, and then start from the ground up and build something new. And, um, you know, like, like Matt said, the, the, the proof is in the pudding. This is 10 years in. This is no longer an experiment. So we know that it's working, but there's still enough room to not experiment, but to test and to create opportunities where you can see really the cream rise to the top where you can see through struggle and adversity and failure um these young men through apogee strong rise to the occasion and 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 see success and accomplishments in their life and so from a fitness perspective just because you were touching base on that what type of you know you hear these ideas that children um young children shouldn't lift weights uh, it's going to stump their growth um and so for our children, I have like this deal. It's just, hey, you got to sweat once a day. That's at our house. That's the way it is. Mm-hmm. I don't care if you, I don't care what you do. You're just sweating once a day. And um, some type of, you know, elevating the heart rate every day and doing something. And obviously we add in different movements because I'm in the garage training. My son comes in and does that. But I'm curious from a fitness perspective, where do you guys feel? What have you guys seen successful with the youth? And how is that different than maybe the common knowledge? Um, I don't know whoever wants to talk on that because I think it's a really cool subject. And then we can move on to business and entrepreneurship because I think that's great. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and, and I'll so I want to take it take it back just for for a second. So I make my money working with with organizations, working with companies, working with Fortune 500s around the world, right? And 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 uh, military being one of them, and they're going, "Hey, should we lower our physical standards? We're not getting enough young people that are coming in, able to hit just the traditional metrics of of coming in and, and going to boot camp. Like we're actually looking at lowering our standards." Um, for this, right? So when we take that back, part of the Apogee Strong program, you know, it's really the kind of this five component sort of thing, but the workouts are a key component of that. And so these guys are getting workouts that they are given every single month. Um, and these workouts are freaking hard. These workouts are are challenging workouts that they have the opportunity to take on and, and um, to kind of log their progress and they can revisit, you know, they'll revisit workouts throughout the, the year long cycle of the program. But we've got young men that are also, you know, doing jujitsu and they're, they're playing lacrosse and they're playing rugby and they're doing all these other sports. They're able to substitute uh, that for some of the workouts that they want, but we're taking that same stance going, Hey man, at least five days a week, you need to get out there and, uh, and push yourself and, and log this progress and be accountable to your brothers that you are, you are taking this on. It's a non-negotiable part of the program. Yeah, I'm a second, Matt. You know, the um, I, I love what you what you said about uh, you know, just sweating once a day. Um, my my son who's bouncing right here, say hey, Rolla. Hi. Yeah, there you go. 
you know, he's got he's got a little uh, Garmin watch on, and uh, and it tracks his activity, and uh, just lets you know kind of how much he's done. And 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 like you, I don't care what that is. He might be on his might be doing motocross in the backyard. Uh, as I was walking through the garage, I was like, man, this little dude has two motorcycles and two four wheelers. That's awesome. Um, as I'm walking through the garage to the trampoline next to his pirate ship, which is just another activity, you know, whether it's lacrosse or hockey or soccer, you know, whatever he wants to do, that's, that's fun. Even my one-year-old every single day, she's out doing something. And, uh, you know, my big girl is playing water polo and dancing and figure skating. Um, and then when it comes to the young men, apathy strong, like we had those young men come to one of our sheepdog response courses in Salt Lake city. And, um, not only were they more fit than most of the adults um but their their mind and their focus was Mm -hmm. it was almost stifling to see all of the other people uh the adults that looked like children next to these young men from apogee strong that that understood what they're there for they had a purpose they're already in shape and they're already mentally tough it was pretty rad it really really codified in my mind what what Matt and I are doing and why this is the right thing. And so from a fitness perspective, I, I think we're all on the same page here, right? We just got to get kids moving more. And so for parents out there, like it's tough because I, I don't want people to think like we're shaming them. You know, it's just, it's a, it's a tough world, right? They, especially during COVID, like getting your kids moving is not easy. Having them on iPads is a lot easier. Um, what type of things have you guys found to be successful, especially with these new kids coming in to alleviate some of the pressure off the parents and make it a little bit easier for them to get their kids moving. Maybe they know that, Hey, it's good for them, but maybe it's on the tools or the resources or whatnot. What, what, what first steps, I guess, Matt, what, what have you seen successful as first steps that maybe a parent can do to get their kid working towards this trajectory of at least a step in fitness and obviously want to talk about business and stuff. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, so I, I actually don't take the approach of let's make it easier for the parents um, in that regard, because, because <laughs> what I tell the parents is, you know, kids are going to do what you do way before they ever do what you say. Right. So that's step one. And especially for those dads of these young men of dads at home, you know, and hopefully God willing, he is dad, you better get out there and get to work too. Um, so part of the, you know, kind of secret cool part of this program is having dads reach out and go, Hey, Hey, by the way, I've lost 20 pounds, right? Cause I'm getting out there with my young man. Cause I got to lead by example. Like that's rad. Um, that to me is the most important part is that they're holding that standard for themselves, right? If I'm dude, if I'm not working, I can't expect my kid to go out and do something if I'm not going to do it and lead by example. So I actually don't make it easier on the parents. They got to get out there and do it. Um, and then the other part, you know, right up front, um, when we meet with these young men that come in, is, you know, I tell them like, look, nobody's, we're not going to hold your hand uh, through this, right? You are here to be uncommon amongst your peers. You are here to completely separate yourself. So part of what you have is we've got a mod schedule. You are starting out going, all right, I wake up at this time. I go to bed at this time. We're going to map out every single bit of your day. We're going to take a look and audit your time. How much time do you actually waste? Because this is a great, you know, most adults, waste far more time than they, than they really realize. So we start there and go, look, look at all this video game time you got. And again, I'm not going to, you know, shame anybody, but you've got time to put that workout in. That's good. And so with Apogee um, in particular in the mentorship program there, um, we're talking about fitness because I'm obviously I, I connect with fitness. I think fitness translates in a lot of other areas in life. Um, 
but there's a bunch of other pieces to this. Your reading in particular, um, mm-hmm. I was looking through your reading list. Um, where do you see that children, when should they enter your program? So I know we were talking and the youngest you have is around you know, 10, 11, 12, is six, seven, eight. Is that too young to enter the program? Is it, is it unrelatable at that point? Some of these books are too much. Um, what is the ideal age to get children into this Apogee kind of mentorship program if there isn't a school nearby? And then how successful have you seen these reading lists? Because you have 10 or uh, 12 books, I think it is. And um, they're all great books. I've read most of them. So I wanted to ask, what's the right age? I guess we can start there. Um, it, it's, we've seen 11 and 11 and 12. We've seen it um, vastly work. I don't want to, you know, put a blanket um, start and stop on it because we've got young men currently that are 11 and 12 and you talk to them and you're like, oh, you're actually 38, right? Like you just, they're just so ridiculously mature. They're so ridiculously capable. They're obviously more intelligent than I am. Um, and they're completely responsible, right? And they've got parents at home that are leading the way. So that, that can absolutely work. I don't want to say that it works for every 11 and 12 year old, just like it wouldn't work for, you know, not every 18 year old might necessarily be ready. Right. We've got young men in their twenties too. So it's really more about the character of the individual. Um, but that's currently what we've got is kind of 11 and 12 to 22. I think when you start talking about some of the higher level concepts that we get into and, you know, as we start diving into, um, you know, a little bit of some of Jordan Peterson's 12 rules and things like that, six or seven, um, would be, you know, that's going to be a little over their head, um, at this point, but we've seen great success with some of these guys that are 11, 12 years old and ready to rock and roll. And so Tim, you, you connected with Matt. Um, so he has schools kind of near me in the Sacramento area that are brick and mortar, then you guys created this mentorship online. So for anybody listening who has a child in the age bracket that we're referring to, wants to have them exposed to this program with a little bit of a different mindset, they could go online and go do this, or they can go to your school in Austin. How's the school been going? Because it recently opened, and um, what have you been seeing there? Uh, magic. Magic. Uh, yeah, oh, I, know. I love it, man. Oh. And like the the Hogwarts magic, the C.S. Lewis magic, the Tolkien magic, um, every corner that you look into, you you see what's supposed to be happening. You see smiles, you see laughter, you see fun, you see excitement, you see um, what I remember. Like, so I, I made it about a year in school before they told me not to come back and my parents had to figure something else out. So I'm in <laughs> private school and they're like, ooh, this may not work. Um, but I remember joy you know i remember going through middle school and being so excited about reading the chronicles of narnia and reading um you know finally getting to go to tolkien and read the hobbit and then go and follow those rad little hobbits all the way through mordor and throw that damn ring into the fire um and the and that was because i wasn't part of the system and i could read anywhere i wanted i could read upside down in a treehouse if i wanted hanging from a rope um, as long as I was doing what I was supposed to be doing, which was learning. And, um, when, when I said that our systems are broken and that there's no real opportunity, there are great products that still come out of there, but they're the anomaly. Um, when it's not a factory and looking at Apogee here in Cedar park, uh, Alexis, who, who is mentored by Matt and, uh, was, was, I'll say, kind of grew up in the Socratic approach. Um, she is so vicious in the most beautiful way. Um, we actually had our landlords come by and they said, Hey, um, you guys are kind of loud for a school. And we're like, Oh, 
And I said, Alexis, like you could see the bristles start to rise. I was like, oh yeah, this is going to be awesome. And she's like, what do you want me to do? She's like, want, you want me to have a silent school? And she's like, well, I've seen silent schools work. She's like, well, that won't be this school. And I was like, God, I love you. You're awesome. <laughs> that's my girl. Yeah, that's right. She would not back down. And um, it was really cool because it was the first time that we collect like together had had um, this adversarial moment and we were both on the same page with the same dream and vision and it was like oh you got my back it's like oh you got my back i was like all right mm. so then then it was off to the races um but uh when i say there's magic in every corner it's just the color you know when you when somebody smiles and it doesn't reach their eyes you know and you're like you're fake i hate mm. you what you see is like light in these in these beautiful heroes eyes in every single corner there's just joy and enthusiasm and uh so matt thank you for for telling me that this is gonna work but uh now there's just a lot more to do and a lot more to grow well i was gonna ask you so how many students do you currently have at your school we have uh 40 so we opened at half capacity because i want to make sure that we're doing it right um so we opened with two studios and we can add two and a half more studios under what we can do in this building, but we're already talking to the landlord to get the bottom floor as well. So we'd go from a capacity. So we have 45 right now. We'll have 90 next year, um, which will be the capacity of the building. And then we're going to take the bottom floor, which will give us 180. And so when you look at like your school, we'll talk about that. And then obviously I want to get back to the mentorship program because that's something that everybody can relate to in a sense. Whereas for you, it's if you're in the Austin area, obviously your guys' goal, I imagine, is to, is to grow these, these schools. But can you talk me through like a typical day of a student at one of, at one of your schools or your school, Tim, versus like my children's school um, and what the main differences would be? Because uh, at a high level, I, I'm not quite sure on that. Sure. Yeah, 100%. Sorry, do you want to take that, Tim? Or you want- no, you can because we have the exact same model. Yeah, man. So, so here's the way. So Jason, we'll have, um, and I love the way you described the magic, man. Magic is it. And dude, that leads to so many freaking stories as he's talking about this. I have so many stories of students that I would just love to share that really highlights all this stuff, but I'm going to give you, um, you know, so we'll have our open houses, right? We'll have our info sessions, uh, every single month and we'll have people at the, uh, you know, come in the auditorium. I'll have about a hundred families a month, um, right now that'll come to the auditorium and, my job when I go in and approach them is to try to scare all of them away um, by presenting the most magical stuff up front that when they're coming from a conventional schooling mindset, it sounds scary uh, as hell, right? So I will get them in there and I'll be like, hey, look, so by the way, our ideal day on this campus is that none of the adults uh, even show up and none of the students even realize it and nothing changes and they go forward and just crush the day like a Fortune 500 company right? Like that's our ideal day. Now that happens by taking a developmentally appropriate approach, which in contradiction to conventional school, like the way we do school in America has nothing to do with um, student development, has nothing to do with personal development. It has everything to do with control and creating a, a specific product coming out, right? So your younger students are playing. 
Like that's really where the young student should be. It's so much more play and exploration and gamifying so much. And that really kind of permeates up through um, elementary. And then when you get into middle, you start adding more and more responsibility and they're going to knock out a lot of their academia there too. So much so that by the time they get into really their second half of high school, you really can have knocked out almost all of the required K through 12 academia at that point. And then you're taking on massive responsibility those last couple of years. And I'm simplifying the whole thing and kind yeah. of truncating it for you. Right. But those, those last couple of years of high school, they are literally running the campus while running their own businesses, while involved in internships and apprenticeships, doing real work um, that they, that they want to do. Well, so just to kind of hone this in a little bit. So typically like my children, they'll go to school. Um, they go to a private school um, and there's specific, you'll go to English, then you'll go to math, then you'll do this and you'll do that. And it's a six hour day, eight hour day, whatever. Do you guys not have those segmented blocks or do you? It's, we'll have a core skills block where they're able to get some of that, but they learn to set their own goals around that so that they're not being held back by uh, a a pace that is set for the lowest common denominator, Mm. right? And, and a specific like funding for schools all hinges on performance on a very specific test and a very narrow window of academia, right? So these guys have core skills. So yeah, they're still knocking all that stuff out, but they're doing that part, the core skills time, they're only doing a couple hours a day and they're knocking out everything else, right? Then they're able to spend the rest of their day in a gamified play scenario, taking on a quest, which is like a journey to learn something new and produce real work. Um, you know, that's, that's geared towards an exhibition uh, of that kind of work. So they're doing real work that matters the majority of the day. So when you're talking about, you know, being able to buy two horses because your daughter's able to get it, or if Tim's referring to some students that are going to be able to have workloads and we're talking about getting through high school, is that the goal? So the goal is you're trying to take these kids from a young age all the way through high school at that point through your curriculum and through your programs, will they have the same opportunities to go to college if they want to, or Mm. is that going to be a little bit yeah, challenging I mean, given their, their background. So the paradox that exists here is that, um, we will never focus on, Hey, college as a goal. That's as, an arbitrary, a goal as as completing second grade, right? We'll never focus on that as a goal. The paradox is they can get into any college they want pretty much anytime they want. I mean, the opportunities there to know how to play that game and jump in, because first of all, they've done everything that another high school student has done. Oh, but by the way, they've also helped run businesses and they've got six or seven apprenticeships and they've, um, you know, created their own business. So all the doors are completely open to them. Um, so even though we don't focus on that, they've got far and away more opportunities than other young people their age. And and not only, um, you know, when you look at sophomore or junior in these Socratic approaches that are learner driven environments, um, by their senior year, they've already finished their freshman and sophomore years of college um, if they wanted to go to college. Mm-hmm. But then you'll, you'll also have a, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of uh, also say accelerated entrepreneurs like Matt saying where like, they're rolling right into a job. And some of them um, are not there's no need for college. But then like maybe they feel like they missed an experience and they're going to go back and they go back and they're like, oh, these poor people don't even understand what the real world looks like. Like the goal, and Jason, this, this is that, that, that paradox that Matt's talking about. 
what is the goal? Like, is the end state to produce the most highly functioning person that's going to be successful in society, that can be a contributing citizen? And if that's the goal, then what gates do we need to get them through to prepare them for that? And I think the, the, the shift yeah. that's been happening finally is that people are realizing that the system that we've been using, where students graduating with a quarter million dollars of debt from with a degree that would do nothing in the real world, where me as an employer that's hiring people all the time, I just posted another job offer for somebody. And looking at the dismal applicants from this pre this this generation, I was like, bro, you don't even know. Like, look at the job title. You know, like you have nothing. You have no experience. You have no internships. You have no real world experience that's going to prepare you for this job that I'm asking you for. So back to that end state. Mm-hmm. What kind of citizen am I making? Am I am I? Are we trying to create a product that's going to go out into the world and make it a better place, or am I going to create a product that's going to be able to fit into a mold to be able to control and to be a good consumer, and that's going to be able to fall in line after being really controlled? their whole entire developmental stages of their life, man. I'll take you earlier and you yep. can take that ladder. Exactly. Dang. Right, man. Like that's, that's really interesting. Like, anyways, go ahead. Yeah. That's really interesting. That's, I mean, so yeah, talking yeah. about, you know, these, these, uh, again, I, I kind of reference in the, the way I was making money for forever is working with these organizations. And I'm t- so, you know, Lockheed Martin and, um, you know, Honda, Netflix, Amazon, Google, Microsoft, like these are all my, these are all my clients, American Eagle, like uh, Wells Fargo, these have been my clients for years. Right. And so I get paid to go in and the conversation, the, the common thread, the reason they're paying me to go in is they're going, Hey, um, we have got all of these, you know, graduates, you start talking Lockheed Martin and they're like, you know, our graduates mm-hmm. are all, we're bringing in guys from Stanford and Harvard and MIT. Um, they suck. We're paying you to help them not suck. Otherwise we're going to fire them all. And what they mean by that is that these kids play school. These young people are all far more intelligent than I am. A lot of times when I go in there and start working with these young people, they're super, super intelligent. And it's not that they're not willing, but they've literally been trained through conventional schooling and through these, you know, the cultural phenomenon of what we expect of young people versus what they're actually capable of. And so their mindset is this school mindset where it's just, you know, I'm going to just, you know, kind of like what Tim was saying, I'm, I'm, you know, I don't really understand how I have no experience that relates to any of this. I'm just going to kind of go give me a basic rubric. I'm going to raise my hand when it's time for me to, you know, go to the bathroom, like they're playing school. And it's, it's to the detriment of our organizations It's to the detriment of our society. It is it's what kind of citizens are we creating? Yeah, it doesn't translate as well. Once you get out of that kind of correct, that that structured setting gets the real world. Um, you know, it doesn't necessarily translate as well. So I guess my, I guess I would, uh, you know, and, and Tim, I don't know what you've seen being in the school for the last year school. What if you have students that don't, I mean, obviously the parents need to buy into this kind of, uh, for lack of a better term, like progressive mindset on schooling. I don't know if that's the right term, but more, whatever you want to call it. You guys have a different perspective than traditional schooling. We'll call it that. What if a student doesn't have that, so the parents are on board. What if the student isn't entrepreneurial in spirit? What if they're very much so um, artistic, like, like maybe they're more into the arts, maybe they're quiet. Does, does that school still resonate with them? Or is it, or because it's so focused on, you know, entrepreneurial, uh, et cetera, it, it, I guess, how do you fit it in for all the different student types? I'm curious what you've seen. Yeah. The, um, 
we're, we're using entrepreneur because Matt and I are both entrepreneurs and it's, it's an easy thing for us to go back to because it's like the kind of the, the nucleus of our success and the, the genesis of that. But by no means is that the only pathway. If you look at um, we'll, we'll like create tracks for every for every hero and every one of these heroes has a track and that track is that hero's journey. So when we're saying heroes, it's, it's that young student in our school. Um, you know, we don't have classrooms, we have studios and we don't have teachers, we have guides. And if you, if you look back to the hero's journey, they get to pick their own journey. Like we're not saying you're going to go be an entrepreneur and start your own business. We're going to say, you're going to go learn your way. And we're going to give you all the tools, all the resources, and most importantly, a conducive environment that gives you the opportunity to see that track, to see that journey be realized. Um, I don't care what that is. Um, if, if you want to be like the next Picasso, Mon Beethoven, Monet, Rachmaninoff, God bless you. I'm going to give you every single resource you need to see that to fruition. Um, Again, Matt and I are not the smartest in those buildings. I'm, I'm walking into schools with a, an 11 year old, and I'm like, "So you're smarter than I am." <laughs> Every day, my job is to make sure that I give them everything that they need to meet their full potential and to meet that full capability. And so, what would be the solution? You know, here I am in Northern California. I'm in the Bay Area. Um, what would be the solution? What would parents? What could parents bring to the table? there's a big gap, right? So you have um, locations like your guys's, right? But if you don't live in Austin or don't live in Sacramento, or perhaps your children aren't at the right age for the Apogee Strong Mentorship Program, which I think is great. But that's also um, male-driven, right, uh, Matt? It's, it's, it's all male. It's so all Apogee Strong Apogee Strong is, yes. The yeah. brick and mortars that Tim and I are running are, are, are both. Are both. Yes, so what, would, what, what could a, I guess, what could a parent, what kind of insight could you provide a parent? I, I like what you said about, kind of taking ownership in your own fitness. Um, mm -hmm. I think I, at times, try and give too much of an out to some people. Obviously, mm -hmm. I'm in there grinding it out with my kids on a regular basis, but mm -hmm. I also know that parents have a lot of things on their plate. But I like what you said about them having to live by example, but what other things could a parent do, assuming they can't, maybe not old enough for Apogee or can't, for whatnot, or they're not around one of your locations? What would be steps that a parent can do to start instilling this style of mindset, even if the children are going to a traditional school experience. Yeah. I, I think from a, a parental standpoint, it's, you know, and uh, there's the basics of obviously leading by example of holding that those boundaries of personal responsibility at home of, of giving responsibilities, you know, going back to, to chores, my girls have those horses and guess what? They get out there and they shovel the shit too. Um, <laughs> right. right. And they're like, so there's all of those responsibilities and holding those high expectations, having the adult level conversations, like all of those things are, are amazing. And they're absolutely needed when we're talking about the difference between what can they do if you've got the conventional schooling. And, you know, one of the things you said too, is, you know, is this like kind of a progressive, how do, what do I call this? culturally, I think one of the biggest things that will help so many parents is if they start to understand the difference between education and schooling. I say those two things are vastly different. So if you've got somebody in a traditional conventional kind of school, your kids are being schooled. They're not necessarily being educated. And what we're talking about is the oldest form of education. It's doing versus being told what to do, right? My, my son, he's five and he comes up and he's like, dad, I want to do um, jujitsu. And I'm like, man, this is, that's freaking rad. Like that's yes. I'm like, that's absolutely it. Schooling 
says, okay, cool. Well, then you got to sit down. You're going to have to, uh, you're going to have to start memorizing a bunch of jujitsu players. I'm going to have you start memorizing techniques. Uh, maybe we'll have you watch a video, you know, of, of uh, Naga, and then we're going to have you create a trifold board. Um, and you're going to do a trifold board presentation all about jujitsu. And then we're going to have an arbitrary, you know, adult authority figure who's never actually done jujitsu come judge you um, based on that. Whereas what we do is we go, okay, cool. Go do jujitsu and do it with masters and get your ass kicked and learn and fail forward and, and then go compete, right? Those are those, so those two different things. One is education, one is schooling. So for parents starting to deprogram your emotional uh, attachment to schooling along with adding that personal responsibility at home is a, is a big thing because it'll change the way you talk to your young people um, at home. It really will. That's really interesting. You know, my dad came from Iran and uh, when he came here, uh, his family, uh, anyways, during the revolution, they, they ended up coming here with nothing. And I remember growing up, he would always tell me, hey, Jason, they could take away anything from you, but you can't take away your education. And I think at the time for him, he really thought about it as in your particular case, schooling. He was very much so engineer, go to school, et cetera. But I think as I've gotten older, I've learned that education can happen in so many different ways. In particular, like, you know, I've had a business now for 15 years. I've learned a lot in that process, but it's not traditional. It's very much so um, through practical applications. So I, I totally resonate with what you're saying. I think that paradigm shift mm-hmm. in thinking can start off with things like what we're talking about with jujitsu, which that was a good example. So thanks for sharing that. Yes, um, yeah, so, so, Tim, I mean, what is your hope and goal for these programs? I mean, I, you... Probably more than anybody. I mean, dude, you just got back from Afghanistan. You've been all over the world. You've seen a lot of stuff. And your perspective is just very, very unique. What is the goal for the United States in terms of the youth? Because I, in particular, am getting concerned from a, I think you could make it a national defense concern because of obesity rates. Um, but I think more so than anything, it's just this idea that um, as a society, we're just getting offended very quickly. And I wonder where it's going to go. And I wonder what we could work with our youth on helping them so they could take on the challenges that will come in the future. Yeah, but we have different challenges. So I, I like half of my brain and half of my heart agrees with you. Um, you know, looking at obesity, looking at um, the decreasing interaction and participation in, in sports, in schools, um, looking at the number of soldiers failing PT tests or not even qualifying, um, you know, the increase of marijuana use and, um, then them subsequently failing PT tests. Um, but then we're also facing different problems now with cybersecurity. Um, you know, we also need the gamers and the hackers. And um, do I need the gamer and hacker to have a six pack or to look like you? You know, not, not necessarily. So th- there, are, there are different things. Um, there are different fights that we have, have to have right now. Uh, I laugh when I watch the, the movie A Few Good Men now where uh, Colonel Jessup, he was talking about the men on the wall and um, like, are you going to get up on that wall and fight? And fewer and fewer people are going to get up on that wall and protect those on the other side. Um, and that does worry me. But then, you know, being in Kabul and Hikaya just a few weeks ago and seeing these young, I mean, there were children, these young Marines and these young men in the 82nd Airborne, um, these just absolutely brilliant men and women wearing their flag on the shoulder uh, and 
running towards the sounds of screams and gunfire and doing everything that they needed to do to protect and preserve human life. Um, while there's moments where I'm concerned, uh, there's also moments where I'm like, hell yeah, we still got it. So um, you know, I, I think it is a national security issue. I, you know, as, as we're looking at Russia and China and they're putting out propaganda about having like really strong, powerful young men, you know, and like, then you look at the American recruiting video and you're like, Ooh, <laughs> that's not going to help us. Um, I think we have to go back to the lowest level and the onus has to go back to the family unit. The, the responsibility still has to go back to the parents. You know, it is not the school's job to make sure that the child is fit. It is not the school's job to make sure that they are moral, ethical people. That's the family unit's job. And um, what, what I'm hoping through Apogee Strong is where Matt and I have these opportunities to, to go into these homes and, and create a, a framework that the just like Matt said, the dad starts losing weight, mm -hmm. you know, where if it's a single mother household, um, a father figure can come in and start showing what mass good masculinity looks like healthy masculinity. And then in, in the physical schools, both in Placerville and here in Austin is, um, they get to see firsthand last week, Sergeant major Matt Smith. He's a special forces Sergeant major. He was the Sergeant major of dive school, um, you know, I don't know how many deployments that that man has. He was the Friday speaker to the whole entire school at Apogee Cedar Park. And, you know, he talked about sacrifice and selflessness and courage and honor. And, um, you know, the, all the while being super self-deprecating as he's a 300 pound gorilla that's been fighting in a war for 20 years and he's been in service for 24 years. You're like, uh, this is amazing. But like that, we're just going to be planting seeds. Right. I and, and having cultivated soil. And I, I hope when everyone has an objective perspective and they look at, at Matt's school and they look at my school and they look at um, Apogee Strong, what they see is a, a stark contrast of healthy, successful go-getters that are accomplishing things and then whatever else is happening. And uh, that's a contagious thing. You know, and those ideas of, of individual responsibility when you see the freedom that's on the far side of hard work, when that starts being realized, other people want it. Mm -hmm. And that's, a, and that's, that's when the fire starts. Right. And then, then we're just fanning the fanning the flame and that starts getting um, a wildfire that can't be stopped. And then we're going to have a school choice bill where all the parents are going to go and vote because they realize that there's that their school councils have been doing them dirty for the past 10 years, that their children are not better prepared for the future. And they're like, do you know what? I'm not going to stand for this. I'm going to vote you out and I'm not going to only vote you out. I'm going to vote for school choice. So I'm going to pick what school I'm not going to, I'm not going to even pay taxes unless right. the taxes are properly preparing my child for what their future holds. And um, so, you know, you asked what can a parent do? You can start getting involved. You know, if you haven't been to your school board and you haven't flipped a table and screamed at the top of your lungs for something that shouldn't be, there, then, um, shame on you. You know, if you haven't gone and met your teacher and been there at the parent teacher night, then shame on you. If you haven't been grassroots at the political organization, that's specifically focusing on school choice, shame on you. you know, if there's lots of ways that you can get in there, but most importantly, you better be involved with your little hero. Yeah, man, you guys, I, I told Matt when we got on here, like I'm, I'm heavily invested in 
you know, I want to provide the best opportunity for all, all, my children, obviously, but also I want to, I want to, I want to be involved in things like this because I think it's so, so, so important. I mean, the work you guys are doing, like, I just think is just going to be profoundly impactful, not only today, but also laying the framework for the future, because we need to kind of rethink this way of doing things. I think that what you guys are talking about, the end product, what you're creating, how good of that person going to be for society and what impact can they make? That's really the great testament to what you guys are putting out. So this has been super rewarding for me, whatever I could do for Apogee, whether it's through the mentorship program or whatever else, please let me know. Um, but if people, you know, want to try and get one of the schools in their area, um, would it be best, Matt, would it be best to reach out to you um, and talk about accent? Like what would be the best way if a parent wanted to bring one of your schools to their area? Maybe they had the funding or whatever happens. How does that work? Yeah. I mean, they can go to Acton Academy. So actonacademy.org, A-C-T-O-N academy.org. And they can go through a search function and they'll be able to see if anybody has um, at least started the process to try to get something going in their general area. And I think some people will be surprised, you know, as we get more and more, um, we have thousands and thousands of applications in the pipeline right now. And we actually have a, a pretty severe filtering process to, to try to just get the right people that are in it for, for, you know, the right reasons. So they can go there and see, um, but then they can also apply straight from there if they want to, if they really want to bring this, I just walked somebody in uh, Contra Costa County, not too far you know, from right in between you and I, um, I just walked them through it this morning. Uh, so, you know, they're, they're, they're wanting to bring something into, uh, like the San Ramon area, you know, so, um, that's a great place to go. And then if people aren't, you know, interested in starting a school, obviously if they have children in the, in the male boys, mm. uh, you know, ages 10, 11 and et cetera, they're going to go to apogeestrong.com and go check yes, that sir. out. And do the work you guys are doing, the collaboration is super cool. I love the, I love it. I think it's great. So, um, well, guys, thank you so much. Is there anywhere else that people should be going if they're looking for information in particular on these things or is the are those links going to be the best? Those are good ones. Yep. All right. Well, gentlemen, have a great day. Thanks for joining me. Yep, thank you, thanks. Buddy. Appreciate you, Jay.